So we've started our journey watching Vox Machina. But is it speaking to us? We'll discuss that as well as episode six of Peacemaker on today's episode of the Geek Watch Podcast. This is the Geek Watch Podcast with Brian Hatcher and Mandy Petrie. Greetings, Geek Watchers, and welcome to episode 137 of the Geek Watch Podcast. I'm Brian Hatcher, and with me, as always, Geek Watch's own resident geek goddess, Mandy Petrie. Brian, hello. So, we're just a few days away from Death on the Nile, mm-hmm. and I'm going to see that. I'm going to brave the <laughs> brave the <laughs> theater to, to see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, is it local, or are you going to have to take the drive? No, it's going to be local. Oh, good. Because it's, a, okay. it's a, a bigger film, so... Very good. Yeah, so we're going to get a chance to see that. I have seen a couple of trailers for some different things. I was going to mention this last week, but I forgot about it. Apparently, there's going to be a Halo TV series. I have. I've seen the trailer. Not being a fan of the video game, but still looks like an interesting TV show to me. I remember um, watching a lot of people play that video game, and I played it a little bit. But I've never been a real fan of first-person shooters, but mm-hmm. it was always the community around it. Mm-hmm. You know, people getting together and having their LAN parties we don't see a lot of that anymore because a lot of that's being done online. Online, yeah. I had never heard of a LAN party until I went to college. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I did see a trailer for a Ben Stiller directed, although he's not in the film, a directed film that's being put out by Apple Plus called Severance. And it's a sci-fi film. And it's a weird premise. But in this day and age now, people are taking some chances with weird premise films. But... The uh, premise of this film is that there is this company and they have this what they call severance policy. So basically what they do is if you work for this company, they will put a chip in your head. What happens with this chip is that when you're at work, you have amnesia put on you where you can't remember anything about your home. You're just a company person. Wow. So when you're at work, you're at work. But... (laughs) When you leave for the day, you get all your memories back from home, but you don't remember anything that you did while you were at work. Wow. It's sort of like a weird Mm -hmm. sci-fi version of work-life balance. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of um, a book. I wish I could remember it, but um, basically you were allowed to be awake one day a week, and you had that's the day that you worked. And the main character, he had seven different jobs, so he got to always be awake. Mm-hmm. Or otherwise, you had to be in a coma to save on resources. That's what this reminds me of. But yeah. uh, it, that is a neat concept. Yeah, it's a really interesting concept. It's, again, taking this whole idea of work-life balance mm-hmm. to the nth degree oh, yeah. with a sci-fi trope. And what's also really interesting about it is now you get this mystery because you're not sure why this company is doing that, Mm -hmm. except that it's supposed to be... It has to be nefarious purposes. Well, there's this moment where uh, the main character, his big friend at work, is no longer working there, and he, he misses him. But while he's at home, this guy shows up that he doesn't recognize, but is claiming to be his best friend from work. Huh. And basically saying there's something nefarious going on in this company. Yeah, I mean... As you might expect. Right, you're like building, I don't know, suicide booths or something. (laughs) I don't know. So, Mm -hmm. it sounds like something that I'm definitely going to have to check out. It's probably just going to be on Apple Plus TV. Mm -hmm. That's the one thing about Apple Plus. They 
they don't have like a ton of content, but they have some really interesting concepts, like the uh, Jason Momoa series. See, do you know? Everyone's blind except the two babies born. Or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't watched it, but I know of it. Yeah, yeah, very, uh, very. It's like th- they're taking chances that mm-hmm. a few years ago we wouldn't have taken. Yeah, I think so. And yeah. they started doing it before COVID, and of course now that things have changed and people are taking more chances. It's like they saw that happening and decided to to lean in on it right off the bat, mm-hmm. especially because you know if you're if you're a new streaming service, you need to be different. And of course, a lot of the other streaming services are about gathering as much content as possible, maybe stuff that people have seen before, and building huge libraries. And Apple has always been about let's come up with our own original content. We won't have a lot of it, but mm-hmm. it'll be really weird, unique stuff that people aren't used to seeing. Mm-hmm. It seems to be working out for them so far, but I'm definitely going to have to check this thing out. Just the concept alone, I'm curious mm-hmm. about where they're going to take it. Yeah, it, it feels so. to me like a dystopian sci-fi. It may not be, but uh, that's what it feels like to me, like yeah. like unwind or those well, kind you know, of it's strange stories. It's, yeah, it seems like these days, mm-hmm. uh, dystopian and sci-fi is pretty much the same yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is it the Hugo Award? Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, it reminds me of things that won the Hugo Awards. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I did want to talk to you a little bit about Vox Machina, because now you've seen two episodes of yes. it. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I've only seen one, mm-hmm. so... What are you thinking about it so far? Well, my entire D&D group, they're all critters. So for the past three years, I've heard nothing but critical role. And I've learned about these characters and telling me about Grog and Scanlan and all these people. So I went into it looking forward to seeing it. So I'm enjoying it and I feel like I'm watching a D&D campaign with all the roles cut out and all the cursing. and Well, they're still cursing, but the oh, yeah. player cursing when they get a nat one and things like that. So. But I'm enjoying it so far, yeah. Now, as you said, you know a lot about the backstory of these characters. Uh, mm-hmm. Have you watched any of the Vox Machina? I've listened to the first podcast, and it it was just audio. So I haven't watched any of the ones where they've shot video with their podcast yet. And mm-hmm. But, you know, it kind of looks a bit like a Zoom meeting. They've got the right. players on there, so you can kind of see their faces and listen to their voices, which is really neat, seeing mm-hmm. those voices with the players. And then also when you watch it on Vox Machina, and you recognize the voices, and now you get to see the character with it, not just the player, but... Yeah. Well, my situation is a little bit different because I don't have any friends who are really into Critical Role, mm-hmm. and I don't watch a lot of Let's Plays, although if you know anything about D&D, Critical Role is all over the place, mm-hmm. and so they very much are the face of Dungeons & Dragons right now. In fact, you can buy source books mm-hmm. based off of their world. Really, they have done a lot to bring D&D to the forefront. But I didn't really know a lot about that story going into it. I knew it was a D&D campaign, and that was all that I knew. I didn't know the characters. I didn't know any of the backstory, which makes it an interesting watch for me because since I don't know anything about the background of the characters, there's no nostalgia. There's not going to be that part of, I recognize this person. Mm -hmm. They're bringing this from here. I've got none of that. And Mm -hmm. so... For me, obviously, story is going to be a lot more important. And this idea of will this stand by itself is going to be blurringly obvious to me okay. because I've got none of the nostalgia to it. Right. Now, the first thing I have to mention, of course, and every writer, especially a sci-fi fantasy writer, knows this, is that the hack writer cliche, 
is I want to write a novel about my D&D campaign. <laughs> so much so, in fact, that Clark's World magazine, one of the big sci-fi fantasy online magazines, their list of stuff that they say, well, we're not going to tell you 100%. We're going to say no, but it's going to be really you hard probably, sell. You probably hear no. <laughs> yeah, you're most likely going to hear a no, and one of them happens to be a story based off of your RPG. <laughs> yes. So... <laughs> That's like the big cliche, which sounds like a good idea if you've been in this D&D campaign. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of camaraderie and just just the joy of playing D&D that may not necessarily translate into your story. Right. Part of the fun of some of the stuff is, oh, my God, he laughed so hard milk came out of his nose. Mm -hmm. The coincidences between the player and the character and and, and stuff like that. And that stuff, obviously, is not going to wind up in the story. Mm -hmm. But at the same time. One of the reasons why Critical Role and Fox Machina became as popular as it was was because it was a really good story. Mm-hmm. And you had a bunch of friends who had a great time. And I'm sure that people who watched that, you know, that whole feeling was very infectious. Mm-hmm. And so I would say that for a lot of people who, especially who've watched the shows mm-hmm. and are really invested in these characters, this is just ambrosia to them. Right. Now, for the rest of us who haven't, uh-huh. Now we get to discussing yeah. to that. So, um, How does it hold up? How does mm-hmm. it hold up? And keep in mind, uh, I've only seen episode one. Mm-hmm. You've seen one and two. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I mean, I'm going to continue to watch it. But I have to say I was a bit underwhelmed with the first episode. Mm-hmm. Because it did have that feeling of, wow, this would be really cool if I had known these characters previously. Uh, uh-huh. But I kind of got dropped in the middle of them. Yep. And here's the other thing, too. And I don't even know if this is really fair, because I may be the only person thinking this in the entire world. <laughs> but I looked at this show, and the first thing that I noticed was this is a group of people. They have a very tentative friendship. Heroes, kind of, ambiguously, they're more thieves than anything else, and Mm -hmm. they have this facade of heroism. A lot of people just don't know who they are, and so they they act more famous than they are. Mm -hmm. And I thought, where have I seen this before? So this is D&D's Guardians of the Galaxy, isn't it? Oh, okay. You know where I, I was going with Firefly, though. <laughs> but that's but I, I get that much more. It's yeah. like, you haven't heard of Star-Lord? Yeah, I, I get that much more, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so I had that feeling. And then the other part of it, too, was there was a lot of, uh, well, there were some cartoon boobies. And um, <laughs> there was some language. And mm-hmm. there was some F-bombs that were definitely dropped in there. And so I'm thinking, well... That's the part of it that's kind of like Peacemaker, isn't it? So yeah, now they, the, they were willing to go with the uh, cartoon conlingist, uh, uh, unlike Harley Quinn. You yeah. know, they, they weren't willing to do that. They but, were not willing but, to do that. But Vox sure. Machina was. <laughs> they were definitely willing to do that. Now, because of the fact that when I was watching this and I got th- that feeling of, oh, okay, so there are some real James Gunn elements to this. That's why I say this is kind of unfair to say because... Comparing something to James Gunn can be really rough. I wouldn't want to have something that I did compared to James Gunn. (laughs) But I couldn't help it. I just couldn't help it Mm because I saw it there. And so comparing it to James Gunn, it didn't pan out as well. (laughs) Because it's it's like James Gunn, but it's not as good as he does it. Mm -hmm. 
And I mean, I have to say, especially with, like I said, the F-bombs and a lot of the crude stuff in Peacemaker, it feels earned in this show. And maybe because of you've been watching them play that this feels like you're coming home. It's like, okay, this seems really familiar. But if you don't know any of that stuff, and again, I'm not a prude, but I'm like, what's the purpose of all of this? Mm-hmm. It's like it didn't feel earned. It felt like we we're just throwing this in here to throw it in there. Mm-hmm. It didn't have a whole lot to do with the story except, hey, let's show that these people are a bit crude and you know rough around the edges, which they had already managed to do, I felt. Mm-hmm. So it seemed like it was a little bit too much. Okay. And it was yeah. beating that dead horse. Not saying that I'm not going to watch the show anymore. Obviously, I need to give it more of a chance. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like because of the fact that in my brain I had this James Gunn association put <laughs> into the show, that yeah. that just wasn't fair to the show. Mm-hmm. I did feel like some of it was rushed. I felt like a lot of it had to do with, if you know some of the background and you're familiar with these characters, I felt like a lot of that kind of heavy lifting. But I feel... Like some people have said, you know, this scene in Star Wars would have meant so much more to you if you read the novel. And it's like, but I didn't read the novel. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) So I feel like a lot of the joy of that show kind of leans on this idea that you've seen the Let's Plays, that you've seen them play the game. And it's going to bring those fuzzy, nostalgic memories. I'm getting to see them animated, and this is awesome. For the rest of us who haven't, they're going to have to work a little bit harder to get mm-hmm. us. And that's what I will say. Yeah. With that being said, am I going to continue to watch it? Yeah. I feel like if I bailed on it in the first episode, that wouldn't be fair to the show. Mm-hmm. Although, if somebody were to watch it and say, I don't want to watch it anymore, obviously, you do you. Because yeah. there's only so many hours in the day. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like... Uh, with this show, especially because I am coming at it at a disadvantage, that I, I need to be a little more fair with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I'm definitely going to. You know, now that uh, I have some idea about these characters through the story, that maybe that'll help drive the narrative a little more for me. But I guess we'll see. So, yes. But we also have to, since I brought up the name, we got to talk about Peacemaker. <laughs> Episode six. Wow. Wow. We have hit the absolute peak of the crescendo here. So many things are getting ready to happen. Uh, It's going to it's going to be massive. Or as we story nerds like to say, the beginning of act three. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, everything has come into play. And we only got two episodes left. I thought it was going to be a nine-episode show. It's only eight. But they have set everything up to this point. And there's still a bunch of mystery left. But we're at the point now in the story that they've given us enough of the story that we have what we need to know to go into those last two episodes, that third act. Of course, I kind of think we should let Mothra and Godzilla fight and let the white dragons and the butterflies just fight each other and then pick off the... Well, Pick I mean, off whatever's left. That's going to be the big question, of course, is who's really, at this point, going to be the worst battle? <laughs> because the butterflies, good Lord, after that major invasion, yeah, it was a moment of terrifying beauty. 
Yeah, okay, as I was watching this, spoiler alert, I watched the bugs climb out of their little spaceships, and they're stretching. I was like, oh, that is so adorable. (laughs) That's so adorable. They're stretching, and they're flexing their wings because they've been on a long space journey. I was like, that is so cute. It's like, and then it got real bad. Yeah. And then it got really, really bad. And they flew down the throats of so many people that we loved. (laughs) Yeah. And a few that we weren't all that fond of, but what can you do? But you've got the butterflies, and it just seems like, how in the world are you even going to deal with this situation? Except, you know, the cow. If they can kill the cow, then that's going to be it, supposedly. But that's for that's going to be for the bad butterflies and the good butterflies, and mm-hmm. that's going to be heartbreaking. Yeah. Well, but the fact that the good butterflies are willing to make that sacrifice. Yeah. Well, as far as we know, and even then it's questionable, we only know of one good butterfly. Mm-hmm. that's it uh, you know is there going to be a twist good lord has there been nothing but twist in this entire uh-huh. show but then we also have that very personal battle that we know is coming between peacemaker and his father mm-hmm. peacemaker you feel like he can handle any situation but you know that's his dad and you also know that his dad makes his tech so peacemaker ain't got no surprises for him mm-hmm. and i'm sure there are a lot of surprises in that suit yeah that's... you know all the stuff that he didn't think his son deserved to have right and <laughs> So, who knows what's going to happen now? It's just like, you know, a whole bunch of stuff has been set up. You just know that there's a storm coming. Mm -hmm. And you don't know what kind of storm's coming. There's a lot of stuff that could happen, but we've got two episodes left. (laughs) That's all I could say. We've got two episodes left. And I do have to say, though, on a side note about Peacemaker... Because I do watch reaction channels. I do love to see people react to these shows. And there's a lot of great reactionist videos out there on YouTube. So God, definitely look for them. But there was, there was this one thing that I noticed over and over again in these reaction videos that I've got to talk about just for a minute. And that was how that wonderful scene toward the end where Peacemaker plays the piano. Right? First of all, let's talk about how masterful a scene that is. John Campia brought this up as well, and I think this is a really good point, is you know everything that's going on in Peacemaker's head during that whole scene, not one flashback, not one cutaway. You spend time with this character in a very simple but very profound scene. And John Campia said, if I had read that in a script, I would have said cut it. You got two minutes of just watching a character play the piano that's going to drag the whole episode and down. It didn't. It did not. Yeah, I mean, I sat and watched the whole thing, and I was like, "How long has this gone on?" And I, you know, I wasn't. I didn't want to fast forward. I didn't want to, you know. Man, that was uh, beautiful. Yeah, watching him play Motley Crue's "Home Sweet Home," mm-hmm. and you knew exactly what he was thinking about mm-hmm. the whole time. And again, going back to James Gunn, the Star Maker. It's like who knew that John Cena had that kind of range as an actor? <laughs> James Gunn did. Mm-hmm. It was a great scene. It was a wonderful scene. But what I have to mention is that I saw in a lot of these reaction videos of people saying, how in the world did they get that to look like John Cena was actually playing that piano? How did they get a body double to look as, you know, look just like him? The same like, hands and everything. The same yeah. hands. And how did they? Same scars on his hands. Same like, fingernails. How did, how did they do <laughs> that? And it's like, guys... It was John Cena playing the piano. <laughs> playing the piano. <laughs> he can play the piano. Just because he's a big guy and was a pro wrestler doesn't mean he doesn't know how to play the piano. On Instagram, there are a bunch of videos of him playing the piano. <laughs> the reason why that scene was there was because John Cena could play the piano. <laughs> and they decided to put it in there. 
You know, yeah, I, from I just, the first episode, they're like, "Oh yeah, a piano. That's what we need." It was yeah. great. Everybody just assumed that this was a camera trick and this mm-hmm. was a body double that John Cena couldn't actually do it. And it's like, yeah, yeah, he really could. <laughs> Give people the benefit of the doubt, yes. for Pete's sake. Like um, what? It's like, yeah, it's mm-hmm. possible. It's absolutely possible. But I think was um, House when Hugh Laurie was always playing the guitar and the piano on House. And, you know, people are surprised. It's like, well, go back and watch Brian Laurie. He did nothing but play the guitar and play the piano on that show. And it was him. And you could tell it was him. And, yeah. yes, like, well, surprise. And again, People you know, are multi-talented. Oh, yeah. Well, and also uh, Doctor Who and Peter Capaldi <laughs> uh, and playing the electric guitar. Right. And people And they were like. Why do you have the doctor playing the guitar, and why would you do you want to fake something like that? It's <laughs> like, well, they did it because Peter Capaldi he's was in really a band. Really good at the guitar. And yeah, he was in a band <laughs> with the guy who was in house, by the way. <laughs> by the way, let's just say, you know, the same guy. Which is really a shame why we didn't get Hugh Lowry as the master and, you know, have the doctor and the master do doiling banjos or something. True. Although, I have mm-hmm. to say, uh, Michelle Gomez, going oh, on the site. Oh, gosh, my God. yeah. Mm-hmm. She was amazing. Mm-hmm. Was, yeah, going back to Peacemaker, what do they do now? That's the <laughs> question. You've got your heroes pointed to a goal, but there is so much stuff swarming around them that they don't know about yet. Plus, the team's breaking down. I do have to mention before we go, again, just the genius of James Gunn is the details. It's the little details. Like what you were talking about, you know, the <laughs> butterflies were stretching yes. and they were coming out of their ships. But also, this was something that I didn't think about it right off the bat, but when I thought back on it, I realized that you had that moment where you find out that Harcourt knew mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And it's like, like yes, we knew. It's yeah, he <laughs> knew. But here's the thing about it. It didn't just come out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Because there's that one scene a couple of episodes back the one after they had the attack on Goth, you have that scene where Mern looks at her and goes, are we cool? And she goes, yeah, we're cool, and walks off. And you're like, well, what's, what's that all about? Uh, okay. They had planted it. That was the moment, but mm-hmm. we didn't know. Nope. Because we didn't even know Mern had been compromised. Mm-hmm. But he put that in there so that you could go, oh, that's when they uh-huh. had the conversation. Uh-huh. We didn't know what that conversation was, and we were curious about it. But now we know what it is. I love when a story puts something in that only when you've seen stuff and you go back, then it has Mm -hmm. a different meaning to it and it makes sense. That's just master craft storytelling. And I am so impressed with this show. I am loving it. And it's completely unfair that I dragged Vox Machina into this backyard (laughs) because it's just not fair. But I'm just loving the show. Mm -hmm. And we only get two episodes. Oh, good Lord. What are we going to do? Right. Uh, but what are they going to do? But uh, I guess we shall find see. Out. So with that said, we come to the end of episode 137. Thank you for listening and tune in next time for the latest in geek news and views with the Geek Watch podcast. For Mandy Petrie, this is Brian Hatcher reminding all the geek watchers out there, we're all geeky about something. Be proud of yours. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Geek Watch podcast. If you enjoyed this program, don't forget to like and subscribe on your preferred platform and share this podcast on your social media. For links to all the ways you can listen to the GeekWatch podcast, as well as leave comments and suggestions, visit our website at geekwatch.net. The GeekWatch podcast is a Hanging J production.